Thank you. Well, my name is Ron Cool, and I am one of the pastors here as well, and I want to begin again just by uh, wishing all of you dads a happy Father's Day, and uh, we're thankful for you and for the way that God works through you, and, and we pray God's richest blessings on you. One of the inter- interesting things that can happen as we look through the Gospels, those stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, one of the interesting things we'd notice if we studied the life of Jesus is that for Jesus... For Jesus, prayer was at the absolute center of his life. Uh, for, for Jesus, prayer was not one of those things that was just kind of an add-on. It wasn't something that uh, it was uh, done at the beginning and the end of a meeting so we knew when to start and when to close. It, it wasn't something where he made all of his plans and then said, oh yeah, we ought, we ought to pray about this. Uh, no, one of the things we see over and over again is that Jesus was a person of deep and, and constant prayer. I mean, time and time again, we see Jesus going off by himself to pray. Time and time again, we see Jesus uh, uh, just going before his Father to surrender himself, before important decisions, before difficult situations. We see Jesus at prayer. It was absolutely central to him. For, For Jesus, prayer was something like breathing. It was something like eating. It was just something that he did naturally and regularly and consistently. In fact, Haddon Robinson suggests, and I, and I think he's exactly right, that if we study the life of Jesus, one of the things we'll notice is that, is that for Jesus, in a sense, prayer was the work. Prayer was where Jesus put his, his energy, and everything else flowed out of that. It was in, in prayer that Jesus was, in a sense, most passionate, and, and, and then he was able to be kind of calm through everything else, because the rest of his life, he'd spent time with his father, he, he'd spent time surrendering himself, he'd spent time giving himself to God, and, and having done that, it seemed like then he could go on. We, we see a, a great picture of this at the end of the life of Jesus, and Haddon Robinson points this out, it's a great picture of this, that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, some of you know the story, but on that night, Jesus had dinner with his disciples, and we're going to remember that at the, at the table of our Lord as we come together to this place. Um, he had dinner with his disciples, gave them the Lord's Supper, and then what did they do? They went out and they prayed, right? And, and, and what's interesting is to see how Luke describes that prayer time, because Luke says that for Jesus, this was a time of deep agony. Look at what he says, Luke 22, verse 44, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of of blood falling to the ground. This is Jesus at work, right? He is praying so hard. He is so passionate. He is coming to this that his sweat is like drops of blood. It is so powerful. He is so passionate about this. He's spending time in prayer. And then what's interesting is to watch, because when Jesus gets done praying, it's like the rest of it is now, okay, let's do this, right? I mean, when he goes to the cross, when he's beaten, when he's whipped, the rest of it is like, okay, I've done my work. I've surrendered to the Father. I've, I've asked God. I mean, he's passionate about saying, God, I don't want to go through this, but if it's your will, and he got the answer, it's God's will. And so then he was just able to say, okay, let's do it. And, and it's like Jesus was at work in prayer. We so often get that wrong. But Jesus was at work in prayer, and then he allowed his life to flow out of that, right? For Jesus, prayer was at the center of his life. And, and, and if we study that, if we look at that, then, then one of the things we recognize is that it should be for us as followers as well, right? I, I, I mean, his disciples certainly had that sense, but we have this sense that, that, that we ought to be people of prayer, that if Jesus needed to pray, and if we want to be like Jesus, then, then, then how much more don't we need to pray, Right? How much more don't we need to come into the presence of the Father? If we're going to love and serve and give and, and, and become people who do what Jesus did and who say what Jesus said and, and, and who bring his presence, if we're going to forgive our enemies, if we're going to love those who've hurt us, if we're going to do all of those things, you know, if we are going to do that, then we must be people of prayer. 
but that's not easy. This is one of those times where I say, I know this is true. I know it should be that, that I become, but, but it's really difficult for me. The fact of the matter is, I, I don't pray as much as I should. I don't pray as passionately as I should. Too often I find myself busy saying I don't have time to pray. I mean, I, 20 minutes before the service started, we meet for prayer, and I thought, I don't have time to do that. I've got to get some things done. And I thought, time out, Ron, you're going to preach on prayer? Excuse me? And what are you going to skip right before you're preaching on prayer? Prayer? Are you, are you out of your mind? Well, yes, but that's another story. Anyway, you, you know, but, but you get the point, right? I mean, it's so often I get busy, and so I say I really don't need to pray. I just don't have time to pray. And let's be honest, sometimes it feels like it really doesn't do anything. Jesus at the center of his life was prayer. And it should be for us as well. But that's difficult. I think his disciples struggled with this as well. I think when they saw Jesus pray, they saw something they had never seen before. They, they, they saw a passion, they saw a liveliness to, to that prayer life that they had never experienced, never seen before. And, and so one day they asked him about it, Luke 11. Verse 1, it says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Again, he was just praying, no big deal. But when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, we want to have that relationship with the Father that you have. We want to learn to pray. We know how you draw strength from prayer. We know how, how you are just centered your life on prayer. You teach us how to do that. And that is going to become really the, the, the request for the summer for us. This summer we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer and, 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 and the request of the disciples to say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We want to be more passionate about prayer. We've been talking about it here, and we've seen some renewal of prayer life here at Hillside, and, and it's been just wonderful. And we said, okay, let's, let's just throw ourselves into it this summer and say, God, God, teach us to pray. And so in, in response to that, uh, Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, right? And, and some of us, many of us perhaps are familiar with that. Even people who don't go to church kind of know at least the beginning, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and it goes on and so on. And so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to go phrase by phrase through this, but we're not going to start this week actually by looking specifically at the Lord's Prayer, and we're actually not going to start next week. And one of the interesting things is we get the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels in the Bible twice. We get it here in Luke 11, okay? And then we also get it in Matthew 6. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 6, all right? But before we even get into the prayer, what I want to do is is think about how we look at prayer. The the fact of the matter is I think Jesus knows that that really being passionate about prayer and really going prayer, uh, really becoming people of prayer is not first and foremost a matter of just kind of learning the words or or, or the patterns or, or phrases that we might use. But we've got to get something deeper, We've got to understand what God's heart towards prayer is. We've got to look at our own hearts about how we look at prayer. Because I think for me, and and maybe for many of us, prayer is an ought. We know we ought to pray. We know that we ought to do this. And what I want us to recognize is that prayer ought to be an opportunity, right? And, and, and so what we're going to do this week is look at actually the words that Jesus speaks right after he gives the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. And then next week, Sunday, Daniel's going to look at the words that Jesus gives right before he gives the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And then two weeks from today, we're actually going to get into our Father who art in heaven and so on. And we'll start going phrase by phrase. But, but today I want to look at this question. How does God look at prayer? right? How, how does God think about it? How, what is God's attitude toward prayer? We're going to take a look at that. As Jesus gets done, it's so fascinating to me, when Jesus gets done giving the words of the Lord's Prayer, he gets to the end of it, and, and then what Jesus does is he gives us two pictures. 
And, and, and these are, I think, focused on, on teaching us about attitude toward prayer, about our attitude toward prayer, and ultimately about God's attitude toward prayer. The first picture he gives us, and these are great pictures, but the first picture he gives us is, is one of when we are in a position of need, all right? Jesus says, let me tell you, set, set up a situation for you, okay? Let, let me give you a little bit of a picture of, uh, of a situation you might find yourself. He said, imagine that it's, it's the middle of the night, it's midnight, you're in bed, okay? And you can imagine this, you're in bed and you're, you're sleeping, the kids are all in bed, the house is locked up and you're comfortable and so on. But he said, imagine at that moment, there's a knock on the door, there's a knock on the door, and you go to the door, Jesus says, and you open it up, and here's a friend, a friend you haven't seen in, in quite a while, a friend who's, who's not been there uh, in, in your village for a long time, and, and that person has shown up, and, and they need a place to stay. At, at this time, Tom Bodette has not been invented yet, so we don't have Motel 6s to stop at, and, 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 and so this is what they would do, right? I mean, this person would just stop at your house and would knock on the door. Now, you and I would be like that, and we'd be like, dude, you're crazy, just go to the hotel, right? Why didn't you call? Why didn't you text? But again, in this culture, you couldn't do any of that. At that time, you couldn't do any of that. And, and so honestly, this might sound strange, but honestly, your reaction would be, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming to my house. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to show you hospitality. Thank you so much for letting me care for you. Thank you so much. And you would be excited if your friend dropped by at midnight. You would not be like, dude, come on, come a different time. You would be passionate and excited and and so overjoyed to do it. And and you'd invite your friend in. And and so Jesus says, imagine that you did this, but then imagine that you have a little bit of a problem because you realize you don't have any food. You don't have any bread. You might have everything else from the meal, but you don't have the bread. You ate the last of it for supper. You were going to bake some more in the morning, but you don't, you don't have any bread. And, and, and again, for us, we say, what's the big deal? But in this culture, it would have been huge. Because anytime you had a guest come to your home, you needed to feed that person. And in fact, that person needed to eat, even if he wasn't hungry. Even if he said, I just had a big meal. I don't care. You're in my house. You are my guest. And, and you need, that's the way hospitality works. That's the way hospitality works in, in that world, in that time. You just, uh, you, I have to make you something, and you have to eat some of it. Probably the, the experience I had in my life that was closest to this was going to Cuba uh, a number of years ago. And, and we would go into these villages, and, and, and we'd have a worship service at these little churches. And, and every time we did this, we had to go to at least one home. Sometimes it was two, sometimes it was three, but we had to go to at least one home, and, and, and the people there would offer us something. Now, these are people who have basically nothing, okay? They have basically nothing, and, and, and it would feel, in one way, we'd feel terribly guilty about this. You know, we have all this food. We have extras that we carry around with us just, you know, when we don't get a meal. And, and, and so we have all this stuff, and, and yet here they are, and they've been saving up for a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks because they knew we were going to come, and they're taking out their cookies and giving us, and we have to say yes. We have to eat some of them. And, 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 and that's just the way it works. That's the way it is, Jesus says. So this guy comes at midnight, and, and you've got to give him food. So what do you do? You can't run to Myers. You, you can't send them to, to McDonald's. You got, Jesus says, you know what you do. You go to your neighbor, right? You, you go to your neighbor and you ask your neighbor for food. Luke eleven five and 6. Then Jesus said to them, suppose, imagine the situation. You have a friend and you go to him at midnight, a neighbor here, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. You know, and, and, and again, this sounds like a weird situation to us. It was not to the people of Jesus' day. It, it made perfect sense. But this is where the story starts to go a little bit sideways. This is where the story starts to get a little different because Jesus is now 
imagine this, and it would have been hard for them to imagine this, but imagine this, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, what Jesus is saying here is, suppose your neighbor is a jerk. I mean, that's what he's saying. Suppose your neighbor is a jerk, because no decent neighbor would do this. Again, when we were in Cuba, we were not just a, a guest of that individual. We were a guest of the entire village, and anybody in the village would have been overjoyed to provide part of the party for us. They would have been honored to be able to share some of their stuff with us. They would have loved it. And, and, and so the normal neighbor in this situation, the normal neighbor in this situation would say, oh, thank you so much for waking me up. Yes, let me give you bread and let me give you uh, lamb and let me give you this and wine and whatever. Let me give you all of this stuff. That's what a normal neighbor would do. But Jesus says, you got a jerk for a neighbor, okay? Some of you are going, we do. <laughs> Those who live next to me are probably saying that. But anyway, you know what I mean? Imagine, you, so you got a jerk for a neighbor, right? But Jesus says, even though you know he's a jerk, you're still going to go and ask. Even though you know that this person is a pain in the behind, you are still going to go ask because you know he's going to give you what you need. You, you have a need. You need to be able to do this, and, and you know that you're, but even you're still going to go because you know whether to protect his own interest. Well, look at what Jesus says, 11 verse 8. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you your bread because of friendship, not because he's a decent human being, Yet because of your shameless audacity, and the Greek could be read one of two ways here, because you, you put him on the spot, because you woke him up, or to preserve his good name, neither of which are good reasons. This guy is not going to do this for a good reason, but you know he's going to get up and give you as much as you need. Okay, Jesus says, that's the deal. When you are in need, your neighbor is, is just nasty. You still go to him, because you know he's going to do it. He's going to do it, okay? Now, why does Jesus tell this story? What's the point? I mean, you know, why, why would Jesus tell this? What, what Jesus wants us to put together here is to say, can you think about something with me a second? Can you think about something with me a something? You, you at midnight are willing to go knock on your neighbor who is a jerk's door. You're willing to go do that knowing he's going to treat you poorly because you know you need what he has. Excuse me, why are you slow to pray? <laughs> your father in heaven is perfect. Your Father in heaven absolutely loves you. Your Father in heaven is not selfish. Your Father in heaven is not reluctant to give you gifts. Your Father in heaven is there, and yet you are slow to pray. Don't you understand that? Jesus is saying you, you ask favors from people who you know are going to give you a hard time. Why don't you go to the one who loves you more than anybody else? Why don't you go to the one who's perfect? Why don't you go to the one who is just desiring to just give you all that you need? Jesus says, don't you get God's heart? Don't you get God's heart? So I say to you, verses 9 and 10, ask. And and the word that he uses there means keep on asking. Keep on asking God. Keep on coming into his presence. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. Keep on seeking. Again, keep keep on praying. Keep on coming into God's presence and you will find. Knock. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who, who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Again, your neighbor, your neighbor is, is, is going to do it, even though they might do it for the wrong reasons. Your neighbor is that way, and you ask him, why aren't you asking God? Why aren't you just on your knees constantly? Why aren't you just coming into the presence of your Father in heaven? When you're in a position of need, when we are in that position of weakness, Jesus says God's heart is one that is just wide open for us. 
and, 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 and he's not saying don't ask your neighbor. I mean, it's not that kind of thing. But it's just saying, you know, you're willing to do this with people who are tough to work with. What about the one who loves you most, all right? So, so that's when we're in a position of need. Jesus says, think about it from that angle. Try to understand your father's heart. Try to understand the, the way your father loves you in that, okay? So, so that's the first picture, that your, your neighbor is, is a jerk. I'm sorry, some of your parents probably don't teach your kids to say that, or teach your kids not to say that, but that's, that's what the guy is. I mean, he's just a complete jerk, and yet you ask him, why aren't you asking God? Why aren't you just more free to go into God's presence? The second picture he wants to give us is when we are in a position of giving to others, okay? When we are in a position of giving to others. And so Jesus says, okay, let me give you another situation. Uh, you know, imagine you're a father. So, uh, you know, which of you, just a show of hands, which of you, if you are a father, and, and if your son asks for a fish, child is hungry, his son says, Daddy, can I have a fish? He says, which of you will give him a snake instead? Anybody? Anybody? No. I mean, not right now. Don't dads here are going to give it. You know, daddy, can I have a fish? You know, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, honey, put your hands out. Okay, okay, you put your hands out. Close your eyes. I'm going to give you a fish. He's throwing a snake and say, master prankster. <laughs> Classic prank. Got you that time, you know. Kid's laying there dying from the snake bite, and you're like, yeah, but I got you. Nobody's going to do that. Right? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Are you serious, Jesus says? Are you serious? You guys aren't going to do that. And, and, and then he comes to the punchline again. He, he says, if you then, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a kind of argument that we use all the time. It's an if A, then how much more B, because B is better than A, Right? I mean, it's, it's something like this. I might say, you know, if, if, if Ron can sing this song, then certainly Kevin can sing this song because Kevin can actually sing, right? I mean, you remember the caveman commercial, so easy a caveman can do it, right? And, 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 and that's an if, if how much more? If a caveman can do this, was it Geico or whatever? If a caveman can do this, then how much more can you because you are smarter than a caveman? That's what Jesus is using here. He's saying, okay, all right, dads, you don't give your kids snakes and scorpions, right? But Jesus says this, if you then, though you are evil, and you might want to circle that word evil. I don't like Jesus calling me evil, but the fact is I'm selfish. The fact is I am not somebody who gets it right, and all of us are that way. Jesus knows that for us human fathers, for us human fathers, one of the challenges we face is, is, is we basically, our first thought is always about ourselves, our first thought is, oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I know I love my kids, and I, and I want to be nice to them. But man, sometimes they are a pain, right? It's so difficult. And, and Jesus says, okay, if you, even though you can be selfish, even though you are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, Jesus said, look, you guys are selfish, and you still get it right sometimes, okay? That's how low the bar is. That's what it's like, and, 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 and he's right, right? I mean, we, we have a sense of that, that as dads, it's not always easy. But, but Jesus says, okay, if you get this right and give your kids food when they need food rather than scorpions and snakes, excuse me, but how much more will your father in heaven? Excuse me again. If you know how to give a good gift, if you want to give a good, think of how much more your Father in Heaven is going to do that. Think of how much more God is going to give all that you need of all that you can ask for, of all that you can imagine. 
God just, Jesus is trying to get us to say, do you understand? You know how to give a little. God knows how to give perfectly. God is not selfish. God is ultimately unself-centered. God is ultimately a giver and a lover and a server. And if Jesus is saying, you, you selfish people get this right, think of how your Father in heaven is going to do. Do you think he is going to withhold anything that you really need? Do you think he's going to stop from giving you what you really need? Do you understand? Do you understand? And that's why I kind of bring this together to say, you know, how does God look at prayer? How does God look at prayer? And, and, and for me, this is what, what has, when, I, when I've grown in my prayer life, it's remembering this. It's, it's, it's owning this. It's internalizing this, that God absolutely loves to hear our prayers. That God is so deeply passionate to, to spend time with us. God is so deeply passionate to answer our prayers and to give us all that we need and to give us what, what's really important for us. We, we get glimpses of this sort of thing, I think, at different times. This past week, uh, Tuesday, I was at a meeting, and um, I did something I, I don't know if, I don't think I've ever done it this clearly before, because um, usually I hate this sort of thing, but I took out my phone, and I put it on the table, and I said, I need to tell you something. Jake is in town, Jake's our youngest, and John and Jake and I are going to have lunch. This was right before lunch, and of course, we hadn't set it up yet, so, uh, and they were, of course, just waking up. Um, uh, it was only 11, so why would you expect them to be awake? Jake was on L.A. time, so, but anyway, I took out my phone, and I said, you know what, I'm sorry, I know I hate it when you all do this, but today I'm going to. If my boys text, if my boys call, I'm answering, because you are important, but they are my sons. You matter to me, but they matter more. And when they say it's lunchtime, I'll leave. I don't care where we are in the meeting. I'm going. They are going to come first. And, and, and Jesus says, you, you know what it's like, right? I mean, you know as dads, you know as moms to say, at the end of the day, when that phone rings and it's the kids, I'm going to answer. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to do that. And Jesus says, you guys get that right. How much more? How much more doesn't your Father in heaven? And, and, and when I start to understand that, when I start to realize, again, that prayer is not an obligation, but an amazing opportunity, that God loves to have me just come into his presence, that, then it's not a job that I have to, that I have to kind of check off. It, it's not an activity that I have to say, oh, yeah, I have to go pray again. Then prayer starts to become just this joyful time of coming into the presence of my father. I think that's what it was. And, and knowing that he's going to give me the strength that I need. He's going to give me the courage that I need. He's going to give me the comfort that I need. He's going to give me everything I need because that's his heart. That's his desire. And I don't want my kids to ever be afraid to call me. I don't want my kids to ever be afraid to come to me. I don't want it when they mess up. I don't care what it is. I want them to come to me. And if I want that, how much more doesn't my father in heaven want that? And so why am I not always just kind of spending my day chatting with him. Why am I not? Oh, when I understand this, it changes everything, and it becomes an opportunity. Now, we just want to, you know, recognize something here. When I talk about God answering our prayers, um, Jesus in other places makes it clear that, that, that God gives us what we really need, okay? Um, you know, you might say, oh, God, I asked for this. You know, Jesus is asking, you will receive. And, and those who ask, receive and all that. You say, well, you know, I've been praying for uh, this or that or a spouse or whatever it is you've been praying for, and I haven't gotten it. I tell you this, what, what Jesus wants us to know is it's not because of God's heart. It's not because of God's desires. Because God, God's desire, heart, God's power is to give you whatever you really need. But for whatever reason, God is saying, not right now, not at this time or not in this way. But I'll tell you what he wants is, you know, at that time it can feel like, so God just doesn't really care about me. 
It can feel like, and Jesus tells us these stories, gives us these pictures to say God is so far from that. Your, your neighbor might be a jerk, but you ask him. Your dad sometimes gets it wrong, but you ask him. God is so much bigger than that. God absolutely loves to hear our prayers. And, and I think it's so significant for us as we come to the table this morning. Huh? Because I, you know, I, I think as we come to this table, what we see is just how far God was willing to go for us, right? We, we see just what God was willing to do for us. What this table is all about is God saying, I will give my son I will give my son so that, so that you can be in my presence. I will be, give my son to wash away your sins so that you can come home to me. I will do whatever it takes to make a way. And, and if God has done that, if God has gone this far, if Jesus died on the cross, and if Jesus said, this is my body which is for you, this is my blood which is for you, if Jesus did that for us, then why aren't we just kind of constantly throughout our day saying, Father, Father, this is going to be a tough conversation. I just want you here with me. Father, I'm not sure what to do with this. I just ask for your wisdom in this. Father, I, I, I want to honor you in this situation, so give me the courage to do the right thing. And, and I think if we start to understand this, if we start to understand God's heart towards us, you know, you know I, 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 it, it's so fascinating when I think about this because as a pastor, you're always struggling with what do people need to hear. And, and, and I think that, I know some pastors, and I, and I have this temptation, and I don't think it's the right, but, but say, you know, what people need to hear is this is what you need to do. You need to hear that God is disappointed in you. I think we all know that. I think deep down we all know that. I think what you need to know is God loves you more than you've ever thought before. God loves you so much, and the only question is whether you'll open up your heart to receive it. And, and that's what this table is about, and that's what prayer is about. I mean, Jesus himself, he, he put it, or not Jesus himself, excuse me. Paul uses the same kind of argument. If A, then, then how much more B? In, in Romans 8, verse 32, he says, look at this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If God loves us this much, why would you be afraid for asking him what you really need? Well, why would you be afraid to ask him for that? Why would you not want to just say, God, and, and, and trust him? with what he gives you, okay? Trust him that he knows best and he wants what's best for you. And, and so we come to this table. And, and if you're visiting with us, let me just say that if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you know that, that, that you are a sinner and, and Jesus has died for you and you want to live for him, then please join us as we come to this table. You're part of the body of Christ. As we come to this table, we just have that sense. And I pray that you experience that closeness of God of realizing how much God has given to be with us and how that opens up the door to come to him in boldness. God so much, God so much wants to be with us. I'm going to close with one more story here from Haddon Robinson. There's a game he used to play. Some of you may have heard me say, share this before. A game he used to play with his kids um, when they were three, four years old. And what he'd do is he'd take pennies and he'd put them in his hands. And he's an old guy now, so this was back when pennies actually were worth something. But he would take pennies and he'd put them in his hand. And the game was that the kids would climb on his lap and they would start to pry open his fingers, all right? They would just pull, and they would pull, Daddy, we're going to get it. And the rule was once a finger was open, then it had to stay open. And they go ahead to the next one, and they do that. And then they get the next one, and then they grab the pennies, and off they'd run. And he said, you know, the kids never really understood the point. He said they thought the point was to get the pennies, and the point was for them just to spend time with me, for them to realize that they're loved for them to understand who their father is and to let me hold them and to let them be close to me.
so too with prayer. You know, you know, the main part is not about what we get out of it. It's about spending time with our Father. It's about being in His presence. It's not the pennies, but it's the Father who matters most. God loves to just be with us. Lord, teach us to be with you. Teach us to pray. Let's pray together. Father, this